the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. I am Danny Smith alongside Ben South, and we are so excited that you have joined us today. We are getting through into this glorious dog days of August. And so, Ben, how are you enjoying this uh, uh, last few weeks of summer, getting ready for Labor Day and college football and high school ball? Are you ready? Are you excited? All that fun stuff. We're getting there. We'll say that we're getting there. It's we're still deep summer when we're recording this, but it's it's just around the corner. It will not be long till we are, you know, everything is going to be pumpkin spice and 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 corduroy and flannel and all those things. Maybe I don't know which in the fall. So in the south, yeah, the you know, I, I wear summer. the same thing. I wear the same thing. I have no winter wardrobe, or the only winter thing is a jacket. You know, you and go. that's it. So. I uh, I don't do the whole what is it white after Easter and not after Labor Day all that stuff I have no idea I didn't read Southern Living like I should have growing up and all that good stuff so yeah I don't know what yeah. all that is but I do know one thing that people should do coming up for fall and that is check out our sponsor Central Baptist they College should. yes they should you know CBC has been a great sponsor before so they've been a great friend. And now is a great time to check out their uh, website, whether you're looking to go back to school, whether you're looking to further your education after high school, if you're looking for ministry training and uh, all kinds of job training, CBC has that. You can go to cbc.edu. You can connect with an admissions counselor. You can find out about financial aid. You can see all the degree programs they have, cbc.edu. Uh, go check that out today. They've been a great friend uh, to us. I would tell you to tell them that Chair 2 Leader sent you and you'd get a scholarship, but I would then be obligating them to something they shouldn't. So, Yeah, and they've not promised that, so let's not. They've not promised that, that. But, right. I, but they have promised that you'll get a great education if you go there. That's right. And so that's a great tip for the day. Go check out cbc.edu. And speaking of great tips, I thought we'd just talk about some mission travel tips. Just some of the things we've experienced and learned taking teams and working with teams. There are just some helpful little, maybe, you know, here's a checklist of things to help you make your team travel more successful. Yeah, you know, if you're going to travel overseas or even here uh, nationally, it's just always good to know sort of the the unwritten rules of, hey, yes, you got to buy airline tickets, but did you consider this? Or yes, you have to drive across the country, but did you consider this? So, yeah, I think this will be a great uh, thing to talk about. And, and what I like about it is I see this happen really across the spectrum with different like travel agencies, travel groups. Uh, I've got a friend that runs a travel company and, and she's constantly putting out on social media like, hey, if you go to this particular area, these are things to keep in mind that that maybe just weren't inside your uh, your planning process. And so, Ben, you've traveled pretty extensively overseas. So let's kind of start there. Uh, we know you got to be flexible. We know that there's certain types of behaviors that, that we need to be mindful of when we are on the ground in these places. But what are some tips that you had found in terms of planning, in terms of getting there that, you know, after a couple of trips, you're like, 
I had to learn this one the hard way or man, I'm glad somebody told me about that. Well, one of the big things is ticketing on getting overseas and getting your airfare because honestly, if the flights go badly, you're going to have problems probably the rest of the whole trip. So that kind of sets your, your, your team travel off to a bad start if flights go poorly. So if you're taking a large group, you're really going to be benefited by using a travel agent of some sort to book those tickets because most airlines and online places will not let you book more than nine or ten some places yourself. Most of our teams, we, we keep under the ten number, so we tend to do our own travel booking. Um, but there are a lot of ways you can do that. Typically, when I'm looking for tickets for a place or trying to set costs, I'll go to one of the ticket uh, websites, something like Kayak or, or Travelocity or one of those that are on their Expedia. And none of them are sponsors, but if they want to sponsor the episode, they're more than welcome to. Uh, just to kind of get a ballpark of what those tickets cost, what airlines, what flights are out there, because that pulls everything. And then when I find the one I like, I will then typically not book it through that external site, but will go to that airline. Because typically it's going to be the same um, price. And so if you're traveling overseas, a uh, couple of the places we go, we travel Delta with Air France. Well, one of the tricks I've learned is sometimes the Delta ticket, if I go to the Delta site, it'll be maybe $2,000 for the airfare. But I've gone to the Air France site, their American website, booked the exact same itinerary, but used Air France flight numbers versus Delta flight numbers, and it's been $1,200. So that's one way you can look to save some money on the exact same flight that you determine you want. So that's just a little tip. And so work around, look at it, look at different options. And if you will use the incognito mode on your web browser, you'll actually get better prices as well, because what the web browsers do is they learn your device and they see that you keep finding looking for this flight and they actually can raise the price based upon that what is offered to you so if you will use different browsers or uh, using cognito mode you'll get a more consistent price based on that and you won't see an increase all the time but it's really based upon the market how many seats are available how far out you are um, on the purchasing the tickets so that's that's one little tip on that now when I do book international tickets I have a something I've just always done most international flights your planes are gonna be and I would say even domestic flights a lot of the planes are moving to like a three seat arrangement three seats together whenever I'm booking a team I always book them window and aisle and leave the middle seat open especially if we're in the back of the plane, I leave that middle seat open because if the plane is not full, those middle seats are gonna be the last seats to fill. Even when I'm traveling with my wife, we book window and aisle seat with the hopes that the middle seat gets left open. Doesn't always, but the thing is, if somebody's in that middle seat, if you want to swap with them, they will almost, I've never had somebody not swap for the aisle or the window one to get out of that middle seat. So you can still sit by the person you're traveling with, but you might from time to time get that middle seat left open. Just a little thing that you can do. Um, you know, and there's some other things that you just kind of watch for if as you're choosing seats, especially if you get to pick your seats, if you've got a tighter connection, it's worth it to move further up in the plane, especially when you get in some of those big trans uh, Atlantic or Trans-Pacific flights and the bigger planes, you've got a couple hundred people in front of you. That can take some time to get off the plane and can just make it more difficult to make that connection. So if possible, if you've got tight connections, 
sit as far forward in the plane as you can. That's just a couple of my ticketing tips that I've discovered that we do when we're taking teams. Yeah, it's really good. And you don't think about sometimes the idea of, like you said, the incognito mode or, or checking with Air France. Okay, so you mentioned having potentially a packed flight, you know, trying tight connections. So most people, one of the reasons it's not just because it's a few hundred people, they're, they're trying to get overhead bags out of the bins and stuff like that. So um, as far as packing for an overseas trip, um, what are some, what are some, again, what are some of those things that you've learned? I think I just doubled that up, but what are some things that you've learned uh, in that packing to make sure if this happens, I'm covered or whatever it may be? Well, I pack differently when I'm going somewhere and when I'm coming home. When I'm going somewhere, I always make sure, and I tell team members this, always make sure you take at least one day's worth of clothing in that carry-on bag that you get. Hopefully you're paying for it or your airline allows you to have a carry-on bag. But take uh, at least one day's worth of clothing so you'll have a change if your other bag gets lost. Um, so make sure you're doing that. All your medications have to go with you on the plane. Everything that you're going to have to have to stay alive or to function for a day or two, you need to have with you on the plane, especially going overseas. Because I've been with some teams when the baggage has been lost and they needed to go find clothes. And depending on where you are and the size of the person you're looking for, you may have difficulty finding clothes that fit um, just because... If, if you're in an area of the world where the people tend to be shorter and smaller and you're a larger person, it's harder to find clothing in those areas. So you've got to have clothing with you. So I always carry at least two days of clothing in my carry-on bag with me. Now, I also pack when I'm traveling to go overseas internationally with that bag. Uh, and I make sure I don't pack where I need to get in my carry-on bag often. I just pack where I, I just, this the stuff I need and I'll carry it with me. I don't have to get into it. And I usually carry a backpack that's got the things that I need, gum, snacks, books, computer, whatever I'm gonna need while I'm on the flight. So I don't have to get up and down and get into the overhead compartment and those type of things. But make sure in your carry-on that you are taking your medicine, clothes, those kind of things. Coming home, if I don't have a, much of a layover, there's not much of a risk of being late, I might take uh, like a, another shirt in case something happens but I don't worry as much coming home because like, oh, I'll get home and I've got other clothes there I can wear if my bag's late getting back. So I don't, I pack differently coming home, but going, I make sure I have clothes with me and I've got those essentials in that are with me in the plane and I'm going to be holding on to them the whole time. So a couple other things, just packing in general, when you're going internationally, you know, with the uh, TSA requirements and those kind of things with baggage, I don't really worry about locking my luggage. But one thing I've started doing, and I know it really doesn't keep anybody from getting into my bag, but I always take the real little zip ties and put through my luggage locks and lock my bag with zip ties. What that does, is it makes it easy for inspection people to get in my bag if they need to, but it also keeps honest people honest. And I know if somebody's been in my bag or not by having that just that little zip tie I can pop it off with my finger when I get to where I'm going but I always anything I'm checking I put those little zip ties on going both directions so I just know uh, what's happening if somebody has been in my bag or not a uh, couple other things I always take like Ziploc bags they're great 
for packing, for protecting things, for if you've got candy or liquids or things, even the little snack bags, some of them are perfect size for dollar bills to keep them in, uh, to keep them dry in case your bag gets wet. Uh, those those type of things in little bags for keeping your power cords together, keeping your medicines together are just really helpful. Um, you know, one other thing that I typically do, I try when I'm flying internationally to wear either a jacket or a vest or at least a shirt with a pocket that I can put stuff in and get it easily accessible. So I'm not having to get into my bags and those kind of things. I love to travel with a jacket that has zippered pockets. So when I'm going through security, I pull everything out of my pants pockets and every watch, rings, jewelry, and everything, and I can put it in that zippered coat pocket. It stays in that pocket. It's secure. I can put it through security, and I don't have to worry about it falling out or getting it back later. I know right where it is. Just one of the things that I do that, for me, helps make it a little bit smoother packing, going through security, and those kind of things in the airport. You mentioned something that I want to ask you about, um, and that was the money thing, you know, putting some money in those Ziploc bags. I traveled internationally 10 or 15 years ago, and it was myself and one other person. Uh, we were going to teach in a, in a pastor training school, and the organization that ran this particular school was kind of a smaller organization, and I did not know this till I got over there, but the guy that I was traveling with had been given a large sum of money. And when I say large sum, multiple thousands of dollars that this missions organization that was making sure that the head of the school was going to get to do what they need. So it was all on the up and up. So nothing major, but we're talking seven, eight, nine thousand dollars So talk about carrying money what what is a good what are some good things to think about when carrying money i don't necessarily think people are always going to carry that large sum of money but that did bring that to mind i have been on some teams when we've had to get we i guess we had to but we did carry some money to give to missionary support and those type of things there are several things i do when i'm alone carrying money i don't carry it all in one spot i carry some in my uh check not in my check bag, but in my carry-on bag, in my backpack, some in one pocket, different pockets, and even within the suitcase that I've got, I will put it in different spots within that suitcase. So if somebody does get in there and ruffle around, they might find some and take it, but they might not find all of it. So that's just kind of what I do. I, I keep it out of sight as much as possible. Um, if it's down in the backpack, kind of buried down in the backpack in places where it's not as easily accessible. For there, that's why I've done. Yeah, you know, I think most countries, and I know coming back in the U.S., you're not allowed to transfer more than ten thousand dollars in cash. So you have to be careful. And if I was traveling with a team and I was taking a good bit of money, I'd probably divide it up between two or three of the people on the team. And so it's not all in one person's care either. And so that it's it's just kind of guarded that way. That's what I've done. I've seen done on some other teams. So being you land at an airport. Um, you're on the ground in the country that you're going to. And obviously this will depend a little bit on which country you're in. How are you getting to your hotel? How are you choosing taxis? How are you choosing drivers? How are you choosing the means by which you leave the relative safety of a uh, uh, airport to maybe get to some overnight lodging, maybe before you get to uh, uh, where you're going to serve at? 
Well, obviously, every place is different. So I'll tell you a couple of things I tell teams when we're going into a foreign country. When we're going through security here in the States, I tell them, you're on your own getting through security. Here's what you've got to do. I tell them, here's the make sure they know the regulations, the expectations. I'll meet you on the other side. Um, you know, I'm, mostly I'm traveling with adults. I expect them to act like adults and be able to function as adults. So it's like, hey, get through security. I'm not going to be able to hold your hand. The same thing is true when you go into foreign countries, going through immigration and customs. You can't go as a group. You've got to go individually by family at least. So I can't go with the whole team member. So I tell, I try to talk them through that process. Hey, we're coming here as a tourist to see friends, to minister with them. Most everywhere we go, we go under a tourist visa. Uh, which makes it easier going in and out. And there's other issues if you need a, a visa before you travel. But just kind of walk them through that process. And we have some, when we have teams that go overseas, we just kind of have a couple of rules when we get to the airports. It's like, your baggage is carried by you. Don't um, spend time trying to collect everybody's bag. We, we do identify our bags in some ways. Usually we duct tape on the handles or a certain color ribbon. So we kind of can keep an eye out for them. But we also tell team members, you're responsible to get only your bags off the conveyor belts and those kind of things. We've spent 20 minutes one time in an airport waiting on a piece of luggage to come out that someone else on the team had pulled off the conveyor belt and nobody else noticed. We were waiting on that one bag, spent 20, 30 minutes in the airport waiting for the bag that someone else had pulled off. So our rule is you get your own bags. You are only responsible for your bags getting them off because when you get off to customs, you have to carry your bags through. They're your bags, they have to match your name. And that's a, a tip that if you're not flown out of the US, sometimes is uh, helpful to remember when, when you check in and check bags, you're always getting a, a bag claim ticket number. I remember the first few times I flew, especially in the US, they don't ever check those numbers here. But most airports overseas, they check that number to see if your claim ticket matches the bag that you have. I've had a couple of times that I had to pull out ID and show ID because we had lost that claim ticket to prove, yeah, this is our bag, the name on the bag, the name on the uh, airline ticket on the bag matches my passport and those kind of things because we had lost the baggage check. So claim, hang on to those things. One other thing I would say is in an airport, custom, those kind of things, as Americans, we tend to be loud people. Do your best not to draw attention to yourself try to blend in with the crowd in the airport. Don't draw attention, don't be loud, just kind of go with the flow uh, and don't just bring a focus on yourself. That's gonna help you as you go through security, through customs and those kind of things. And just be calm, be honest, be calm as you answer questions. They ask you, you know, why are you here? What are you gonna do here? Be honest, where you go, tell them the city you're going to, but don't give them more information than they're not asking for. So just give them the basic, tell them that. Now, when you leave the airport, my experience is most places, taxi drivers, those kind of things, you can trust them most of the time because they want more people to use them as a taxi service. So it's their livelihood and they depend upon that money to feed their family. So they want to do a good job because they don't want to be kicked out of the, being able to do it. They want to be able to come back to the airport or to that hotel. So I think you, you work through the local people that are there. Hey, what's the best process? If I'm going to a hotel, is there a shuttle service? Do they recommend something? Can they arrange a rider, a driver for you? Those are always helpful, especially if you're in a hotel going somewhere and needing a taxi. Ask the hotel to arrange it because they're going to arrange people they know they can trust, one, and the people they arrange are going to do a good job because if they get a report 
that they aren't doing a good job back to the hotel, that hotel's not going to call them anymore. So I think if you kind of go through those type of places and the things you're doing, you can trust it most of the time. Just talk with the people on the ground, talk with the missionaries, say, hey, what have you done? What's the good experience? What's the best way for us to do this? Don't just go out there on your own and say, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Talk to somebody who knows and who has been there. Yeah, it's also helpful. And again, things that can help you plan a trip because look, a lost bag, um, well, it's a lack of clothing change, a lack of medicine, lost money. Look, those things happen. All that stuff's going to take place. But yeah, if you can just kind of, um, if you can kind of make sure the impact of that is not nearly as bad your trip, uh, it's going to be more successful. You're going to be able to really focus on the, the ministry part. It absolutely will. So we've talked international. So let's let's turn it a little bit, Danny. Come in, maybe if we're doing a, a domestic or a stateside mission teams traveling, what are some things you've seen that you would warn against or maybe, hey, we need to be careful about this as we're coming across country, even maybe flying or driving across country with a mission team? Yeah, uh, no, it, it's definitely uh, some similar things in terms of packing and stuff like that. Uh, you know, so let's talk about how we have teams come out to Wyoming. Um, where I'm at in Wyoming is the city of Casper, uh, 55, 60,000 people. Um, we have an airport here. You've got I-25 that runs through. So people always ask me, though, what's the best way to get to Casper? And the answer really is there's not a best way to get to Casper because of where it's situated. Yes, you can fly in, but just know you're going to pay more. So you can fly to Denver and you can drive up by 25, four hours to Casper um, and you're going to save several hundred dollars a ticket, if not even more than that. So one is just knowing it's a long way. When you start getting into that 12, 14, 15 hour trip, this is, again, some of the common sense things are make sure your van works, make sure it's serviced, make sure all that stuff's up to date. Um, but a couple of a couple of maybe practical things that we've learned is one, there are a lot, there's a lot of wildlife on the roads after dark. We had a team a couple of years ago, um, they had stopped at one of the national parks on the way in uh, and they were coming in after dark pretty late and they hit an antelope and uh don't know if you know this, but supposedly there's more uh, mule deer and antelope in Wyoming than people. Um, that's kind of the, the uh, trivia fact for you there. So, you know, we've learned, hey, it's just better to travel while it's daylight. You know, when it gets real dark, you've got animals on the side of the road. And I mean, they're not afraid to, uh, to be right there. So that's one thing. Probably the big one for us that we always have to talk to people about is um, we are at a higher elevation than most of our friends in the South. And so, uh, folks get sick. Uh, it has an effect on vehicles. Um, listen, when you go up into the mountains with a church van and a loaded trailer and that church van's loaded down, you're going to blow out an engine if you go up Pike's Peak. We've seen that happen. So I think it's for us, it's a matter of saying, yes, we're still in the States and yes, you can drive here in a day, but make sure your van is, is good for a higher elevation. Make sure that you yourself are drinking plenty of water because we are in a high desert area. So it's knowing the climate, it's knowing the elevation, it's knowing that there's animals that are on the side of the road. Listen, we have every modern comfort, so I don't wanna sound like we're in the boonies because we're not, uh, but at the same time, getting to can be a little bit tricky. So. You don't have to worry necessarily about the packing part, maybe. Uh, now, if you do fly, I think what Ben said about the packing absolutely applies to it. Um, I think if you're driving, 
just know that the uh, the elevation, the dry climate, and the animals that it's just a long way. Here's the other thing that I would tell you too is uh, I always get gas wherever I stop because sometimes it can be a long way between either a what I would consider safe places to stop to get gas or gas in general, especially when you get to Western Nebraska and then on up to Casper, it can be, uh, it can be miles and miles before you get to a, a place where you can stop in and get gas and use the bathroom. And so, yeah, just, uh, you don't have to stop every hundred miles to get gas, but don't pass up the loves truck stops when you see them because they, uh, uh, they get fewer and far between in some places. So, you know, for us, it's just a matter of knowing that it is a long way. It is a long drive. Make sure you hydrate. Make sure you try to take advantage of those daylight hours and make sure that uh, that you keep your gas tank. Uh, I, I never, when it starts getting around half a tank, that's when I start kind of going, all right, next time we stop, I want to make sure I go ahead and fill this up with gas. So I don't know that there's really anything else in terms of, um, you know, kind of like the international thing in terms of maybe safety and security or or walking through customs. But I would say it is a higher elevation and it does have an effect on vehicles and it will have an effect on you. Yeah, when you travel, especially domestically, don't assume everything is going to be like it is back home. Uh, that's, I think, where the fatal error some people make. They need to know, like you said, the gasoline. Um, man, you need to keep your your tank full because you don't yeah. know where that next station is going to be. That may say there's a station and it may be closed Absolutely. when you get there. So you need to be prepared, stay ahead of the game on that. That reminds me, I have a, a philosophy I have with your like your gasoline stories. Like I, you kind of hit on it too with going to the restroom. It's like you never when you're overseas anywhere, you never pass up an opportunity to go to the restroom because you never know when the next opportunity is going to be. Yeah. That's right. That's right. If you have an opportunity, you go, even if you don't need to. So yeah. you always do that. Absolutely. And the other thing, you know, if you like sweet tea, you're not going to find it in Casper. So just realize that too. So, yeah. So, you know, you got to prep the right way. You got to take snacks overseas when you go to countries where you're fearful of the food. You got to bring your own sweet tea to Casper. So, yeah, you probably just lost a few people who might be interested in coming know, out to I Casper know. on the team. Because but I, I got to have no you ready. Tea. So, <laughs> I'll make the sweet tea for you. It's part of that being all things to all people. You bet. That's, That's right. right. So, you, by the time we bring teams up there, we expect you to have converted uh, Casper to Absolutely. Georgia sweet tea. We'll have good sweet tea. We'll have some peach cobbler waiting on you. We'll we'll make it work. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us this week. We just hopefully you know you've learned a couple of things and gotten a couple of tips for when you take your next mission team somewhere, either to Wyoming or to the widest parts of the world. So. Thanks for listening in this week to Chair Two Leaders. Uh, like us, follow us on social media and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for joining us. I hope you have a great week. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair Two Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates. And make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair Two Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.